Welcome out to Calvary Baptist Church tonight. Let's take our song books, our gold books, that is. Sing song 150, This World Is Not My Home, I'm Just the Passing Through. Song 150, I'll invite you to stand if you're able. Seat out on that first verse. This world is not my home, I'm just the passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. with it too. There's not a day goes by. I don't feel like a pilgrim and a stranger in this world. I'm looking forward to the day the rapture takes place. Amen. Trade this old world in for a new one. Praise the Lord. Good to be back in the house of God this evening. And uh, we're going to do things a little bit different tonight and to do all, all kinds of topsy-turvy and backwards and, and out of order and maybe it'll throw the devil off and he'll Give us a break tonight, amen. Give us, give us the night off. Wouldn't that be good? I'm looking forward to what the Lord has in store for us tonight. Um, and uh, so let's bow our heads in prayer. And the first thing I want to do is ask God's touch and help on the service. Brother Leader, you're our, uh, you're our missions director. And uh, this is our first commissioning service in quite a while. Amen. So I think it's fitting you ask God's touch on us. Let's pray together. God, it is good to be in your house tonight. And it is good to be a part of a church that is actively seeking to fulfill the Great Commission. As we send a missionary to the field this evening, Lord, we pray that you'd help this service to be a special time when we can, as a church, uh, seek your face and ask your protection, ask your blessing, ask your uh, presence to be with the Patton family as they go across the ocean. Lord, we ask and pray that you would please use them to do the work that is so, so vitally 
necessary there in the Philippines. We pray and ask that you bless this service. We ask your touch now in Christ's name. Amen. Song number 40. I was waiting for everybody to sit down. Song number 40, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. What a fellowship, what a joy divine. Sing it like a mighty church choir this evening. On that first. What a fellowship, what a joy divine. Leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine. Thank you so much for that good singing. Uh, tonight's a special night. It's so special that we're just going to follow, follow the leadership of the Lord tonight. Uh, we have really don't have a program or a plan. Uh, there was a few songs I wanted to hear tonight, and uh, some of them we were ready for, and some of them not so much, but that's okay. Um, I asked them to sing a song, and day I don't know if she's sung it with them or not since she's been in this quartet. But I thought that it was appropriate for them to sing, I have a goodly heritage. Um, Marissa and Nathan both are going to the field because they grew up in a Christian home that prepared them and trained them for the work of God. And Nathan's daddy took him to the Philippines when he was in school. God birthed something in his heart as a teenage boy for the people of the Philippine Islands, the Filipino people. And um, Brother Pat and God will, God will bless that, taking your kids to the mission field. You can take them to the mission field for about the same price. You can take them to Disneyland. And it's 100 million times better. And uh, so uh, his daddy took him to the mission field uh, on several occasions and uh, of course, Marissa was raised for a portion of her life on the mission field. And then uh, when her and um, Nathan got to Dayton, and it was pretty serious, and he knew that's what God was calling him to do, I told her, I said, um, 
we might better go scope it out. Make sure that's where you want to live because it looks like that's where you're going to live if you marry that rascal. <laughs> so Marissa and I went to the Philippines before they got married and we got to travel and sing together. And, <laughs> and uh, I guess the song is, is on my heart because moms and dads, we, we, we have children that the Bible calls them arrows in the hands of a mighty man. And they'll go, Brother Bittner, they'll go where we point them. That's the plan anyway. As arrows in the hands of a mighty man. So we're our children, our heritage of the Lord. And so I want y'all to sing that. And if they mess up, I don't want y'all to worry about that one bit. Y'all just sing it as under the Lord. And uh, let's just worship God tonight.
practice that one. That was wonderful. All right, I think it's appropriate tonight, before we go any further, that uh, we take on some missionaries. I'm getting aware this is one of my favorite things in the whole world. Brother Leader, come tell us who we're, who we're looking at tonight. All right, so for the Every Nation Project, our first family that we're going to take on is uh, Brother Kevin Jones and his wife, and they are going to the country of Russia. And uh, Brother Jones has been a missionary now for 25 years. He's currently serving there in Krasnyarsk, Russia. And something interesting about him, first of all, many of you know the Bartels were our missionaries to Russia, and they had to, uh, they decided to come off of the field, obviously because of the war, and there's so many things going on uh, in this part of the world. And uh, I began looking, I came across three or four different missionaries that were in Russia. I called or contacted, emailed them, and all of them were no longer in Russia because of the war. But Brother Jones has stayed there, and he is still there today, and he cannot get American dollars, um, so he's got a way that he's laundering his support money into rubles. And, um, uh, but he, he is really doing a great job. In their 25 years, he's sent out of a good, strong church in North Carolina, and his mission board is what Brother Rolf's and Mrs. Rolf's home church, Antioch New Testament Baptist Missions here in Elkton, Maryland. And so he's a, uh, doing a good job. And then Brother Danny Flowers is in France. Many of you, how many of you know John Flowers in Taiwan? Our missionary John Flowers in Taiwan. Well, this is uh, John Flowers' brother Danny. And so he is there in the country of France. He's been there. Uh, he's been in France now for about five or six years, I think. He was in Ivory Coast until war broke out and he had to move. Um, so he's been there 20 years as a veteran missionary altogether. He has a church planted there in the northeastern uh, region of France. And, of course, uh, he comes from the same church, same mission board as brother, uh, his brother John Flowers, which is a good, strong church. And so look forward to both of these missionaries. Amen. Thank you, Brother Leader, for that. Um, man, that's awesome. And, you know, they speak, they speak French in Ivory Coast, if you didn't know that. So a lot of times when missionaries, because of civil war unrest... I have to leave the country. Some of them go to France. Some of them go down to the Caribbean. Some of those countries down there that speak French. I think they speak French in, in uh, parts of Haiti, if I'm not mistaken. And Quebec, Canada, they speak French there. And so a lot of times missionaries, when they're sent out of a country because of war, God just sends them somewhere else. And uh, I appreciate this missionary and their faithfulness too. Great uh, recommendations tonight of two veteran missionaries doing something for the Lord. We were talking about this over the lunch table, the Pattons and all of their family are, are here tonight and uh, they were over at the house for lunch and we were just talking about the Every Nation Project and how exciting it has been each week for God to let us take on a few more missionaries and we're so excited to be a partner with these missionaries of this caliber. They've been doing a great work. I mean, staying in a country during a war, I mean, that's just absolutely uh, thrilling. And uh, the, just the, the best part is being able to take on a money launderer uh, for support. Uh, that's just, that's exciting. Amen. All of you Baltimoreans ought to be right in love with all that laundering money and everything else. Amen. But anyway, all right, on Brother Leader's recommendation and our vetting process, these two missionaries come highly recommended. I, I make a motion we take them on for support. All in favor say amen. Amen. Yeah. 
Amen. Wonderful. All right, Brother Nathan, I want to get Brother Marco on the phone. We're going to, uh, we're going to uh, talk to Brother uh, Douglas Marco, his, uh, the missionary in the Philippines that Brother Nathan and Sister Marissa will be going to work with. If you would bring me that. We, we were going to try and put it on the screen, and uh, we were just having all kinds of technical issues. And I told him, I said, don't, don't stress, don't worry about it. We'll just do a, a, a phone call. And so we'll just try to get the handheld mic up here where you can hear it. And we want to talk to them a little bit. Are you there? I'm here. You're here. I'm going to get a handheld mic and hold up here. You, you talk as loud as you can, Brother Marco. Can you hear me okay? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? <laughs> I got a neck up. Here we go. Can you hear me now, brother? Yes, sir, I do hear you. All right, wonderful. How are y'all doing? We're doing fantastic. Sure. God's uh, has been wonderful, and uh, zero complaints on our end. And uh, but things are going well. Church is growing, and a lot of new uh, new ministries opening up. And uh, perfect time for some more help. <laughs> We're working on that as hard as we can, brother. Uh, so it's it's twenty minutes after. Five on Monday morning there. Is that correct? That's correct. Amen. How was your services yesterday? We had a wonderful, wonderful services on yesterday, wonderful spirit. And uh, we had a really interesting uh, situation in one of our extension churches, our church plant, that our church was involved in a little bit. And uh, the church got to see a great answer to prayer. We had a... Uh, we had a man who threatened to kill one of our graduates, one of our pastors, and he showed up on Sunday morning up at their church to, to kill him. And uh, our church got together in the middle of the service, and everybody prayed, begged God to do something. And uh, the man ended up asking for forgiveness and wanting to get his heart right with God and uh, up at his church there. And uh, Amen. Oh, praise the Lord for that. That's wonderful. Well, we've been, we've been keeping up with your ministry there and what God's doing. And we're excited about uh, Marissa and Nathan uh, coming over there to help y'all. And I know you've given this a lot of thought, a lot of prayer. And I know that uh, you got some, uh, some goals for them. But if you would, just tell our church, tell us tonight kind of what uh, they will be doing when they get there. And what you've got them uh, lined out to do. I know that it will probably increase after they get in and get situated but just t tell us what what they're going to be doing when they get there right one of the first things they're going to do when they get here is they're just going to get settled and uh, we're gonna we're gonna let them get settled get in their home we're gonna help them get that done uh, but almost immediately as soon as they're ready as soon as they're ready we've got uh, wonderful opportunities for them brother nate uh is already slated to teach in our bible college this year and uh, Bible college classes actually start tomorrow evening. We had our orientation last Tuesday. And uh, he'll be involved in teaching uh, some of those classes. And uh, in addition to that, we are um, going to be splitting our youth. Finally, we have the opportunity to split our youth into uh, sort of a junior high and a senior high. And uh, Brother Nate will take that senior high group and prepare them for our 
for the next stage of life, which would be our Bible college as well as uh, the singles class. Um, and those would be some of the most uh, immediate things that are right, right already on the table and ready to go. Amen. Amen. Well, we're excited about them coming, and we're going to miss them, obviously, but we know that God's put a, a desire in their heart uh, to serve there, and we're thrilled uh, to, to be sending you what we believe uh, in our heart to be some qualified help of uh, a, a couple and a family that will be an asset to the ministry. And um, we, uh, I, I felt uh, throughout the day, Brother Marco, I felt a, um, just an overwhelming desire to communicate to you, uh, to our church, that we appreciate what you're doing there. We appreciate uh, the fact that God's blessing and that you're needing more help. That's, a, that's an indication and a sign that, that God's doing something when you need more, more help and more workers. And um, we're going to be praying a wall of prayer around the ministry there. And Marissa and Nathan and the baby and asking God to just give you all much fruit for your labor. And... Um, my, my prayer also is, brother, that um, you just hold, hold the line. I know churches everywhere are changing and compromising and going liberal and dropping all the old-time standards and the old-time way. And, boy, I tell you, uh, we need more churches around the world uh, walking in the old paths and, and preaching that book. And so I just want you to know you've got a church in, in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, that will be praying that uh, God give you the strength and the courage in the midst of compromise and apostasy and this great falling away, brother. Just keep pulling it tight. <clears throat> Don't change. <clears throat> yes, sir. We have uh, no interest in changing. Yeah, we want to see the gospel reach this generation and the next generation, I believe, wholeheartedly. That through holiness and separation is the only way the gospel will get to the next generation. Amen. And, uh, I want my grandchildren in heaven. I want the next generation of this country and America. Uh, I want them to have good churches. And uh, we're, we're so we cover your prayers. We thank you so much for the partnership, to the financial partnership, the prayer partnership. And I just want to say congratulations to the church. You uh, uh, statistically, one out of every four churches gets to really fulfill the Great Commission, in my opinion. And what I mean by that is actually sending their own not just financial, but actually getting a part of sending people. And uh, congratulations, Calvary, and, and thank you, Pastor Shiflet, for your burden and your vision. Amen. Well, we love you all. We'll be praying for you. And uh, we're excited to hear reports of what God's doing in the near future, brother. Amen. All right, you take care. Yes, sir. God bless you all. All right, bye-bye. Amen. Amen. Brother Barley, if you would bring the offering plates down, we're going to take up our offering at this time. And um, during the offering, we're going to get both choirs, the adult and the youth choir up here together. We've got a couple songs uh, ready before the preaching. And um, so y'all can, after you, after you put your money in the plate, <laughs> then you can come on up to the platform and get ready to sing. All right. Brother Berner, would you come lead us in prayer, please? Father, we come to you through Jesus Christ, and Lord, we pray that you bless this offering. 
Help us to always be willing to give back a portion and uh, just be generous towards the things of God. Thank you for our church that not only supports missions, but people are being sent out. What a blessing. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just uh, mention this before, Brother, uh, Brother Adriel, would you come help disperse these microphones? I didn't do that. I'm not used to doing that. Uh, while they get the mics and all out, I want to I read a couple of verses from Revelation chapter number 5. This song is uh, the song that uh, Lord let me write several years ago for one of our missions conferences. And the theme was the word every. And in Revelation chapter number 5, Verse number nine, the Bible says they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And I tell you, I'm looking forward to the day when we stand before the throne of God, and there are people there from every tongue, every tribe, every kindred, every nation. And this was the verse that was really the burden behind my heart for the Every Nation Project because I thought if there's going to be people in heaven from every nation, I'd like to be a part of that. I'd like for them to be able to say that they were there because somebody sent a missionary to them and our church to have a part in that. So choir's going to sing this song and uh, uh, we, we run over it once. It's been a while, uh, but I hope that it's a blessing to you tonight.
Amen. Well, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles tonight. Turn with me, please, over to the book of Acts, chapter number 13. Appreciate that good choir music, good choir singing. Amen. Honoring and glorifying the Lord. Every time the choir sings that, I want to run laps. The problem is, I done got so old and fat, I'd be jiggling for 15 minutes after I got done. Amen. If I made a lap, I might run out of gas about halfway around. I have to finish the rest of the service out in the sound booth or something. Boy, I love to hear that choir sing that song right there. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Acts chapter 13, when you find your place, stand with me, please. The Bible says in Acts 13, verse number 1, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch, Certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted the Holy Ghost said separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them they sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews and they had also John to their minister. I want to preach tonight on these verses using a phrase out of verse number 3 as my title. They sent them away. That's what we're going to preach on tonight. They sent them away. Lord, help us tonight. As we turn our hearts and minds now to the Word of God, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified and magnified in the service. Lord, tonight as we attempt to do the best we can to fulfill the Great Commission in a very personal way, I pray, God, that you would just breathe on this service and touch us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated. Tonight, with God's help, and here over the next couple of days, Calvary Baptist Church in Dundalk, Maryland will be doing exactly what the church at Antioch did in Acts chapter 13. When the very first missionary team was sent out, of a New Testament local church. After a year and a half almost of deputation, Brother Nathan and Sister Marissa and Baby Landon will be heading out on the 13th to go to the mission field after years of preparation, years of prayer, years of planning, years of dreaming, years of seeking God's will. Brother Nathan, in just a few days, the will of God for your life will become a reality in a very new way. And uh, I can tell you from personal experience, 
that the mission field from that side is different than it is from this side. There's something about buying a one-way ticket halfway around the world and landing in that country, reality starts to set in. But I know that God's got his hand on both of y'all. Otherwise, our church would not be doing what we've done and what we're doing tonight. But what we're doing tonight, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the highlights of any local church's existence. And that is the privilege to send a missionary out of their church to serve uh, on the mission field. Uh, down through the years, I've collected quotes from missionaries and missions quotes, and I use them from time to time. But one of my favorite quotes is this, a church should not be concerned so much with their seating capacity as their sending capacity. And uh, here at Calvary Baptist Church, we have been blessed uh, to have uh, not one, but four missionaries now out of this church, starting, I suppose, nearly 40 years ago, 30-something years ago, with Brother Wes Lane and his wife going to Haiti. And if I'm right, correct me if I'm wrong, graduated from this Christian school here and went to church here and then went to Haiti and now in the Dominican Republic, that uh, one big island. Hispanola, I think is the name of it. If I'm, am I right? Did I get that right? Wow, okay. Half of it's Haiti and the other half's the Dominican. They served all these years there. They were sent out of this church, in the very real sense of the word. And uh, we're still their home church and we're blessed from time to time when they come through and be able to hear from them and be able to uh, give them money and do things. And we've had the privilege to go visit and, and, and be in the ministry, be in the churches, visit the churches. I've got to preach in them. I've got to go down there and see firsthand. We've gone up and down the streets and passed out tracts and literature and um, hung on for dear life as Brother Lane drove the roads of the Dominican like a bat out of the bottomless pit. <laughs> but that's our missionary there in the, in, in the, in the, in the Dominican. And then Brother um, Sasser and his family serving in Israel and working with the Jewish people. By the way, we're going to be getting Brother Sasser up here in a few services to give us an update. They're going over there and going to Turkey and doing some stuff. That wasn't a secret, was it? Should I say that on internet? And going over there and do some amazing things. You're telling me about this morning. Be able to have them out of our church going and serving and laboring and working. And then Brother Estep and his family down in Leon, Mexico for 15 years serving the Lord. Sent out of this church they're sending church. What an honor to be able to hold the ropes in more than one way for these missionaries. And now tonight having this commissioning service where in just a few moments we will as a church lay hands on them and send them away as the text says. But tonight I want to just really, if I can, just bring out three basic points that I see in these verses that I believe would help us and believe set the tone for the service tonight. The first thing that I notice about this first missionary team in our text was the experience in the church that stirred them. Here's what I like about these verses in Acts 13. The Bible says in verse number two, as they ministered to the Lord. Make no mistake, God opens doors for people that are already serving. 
God opens doors and he leads people into ministry that is already engaged, already has a burden and a heart that has been moved and stirred for ministry and for service. And God calls people to work that are already working. Can I get a witness? God opens doors for people that are serving. God opens doors of ministry for people that have proven to have a heart of ministry. There's a, a lot of misconceptions about missions and mission fields and the Lord opening doors. And I'll never forget one time years ago in another church, a man stood up in the service without ever talking to me, without ever bringing me off to the side and say, I believe God's doing some things in my heart and give me an opportunity to be a sounding board or give me the opportunity to give him some feedback. He just stood up in the service cold turkey, said, I want you to pray for like God's opening the door and we'll go out west and help so-and-so, help them build a church, help them start a church. And first thing that came to my mind was, well, you ain't doing that here. Why would God send you out west to do something you ain't doing here? No reason why I didn't speak out and embarrass him because he was only being my daddy. So I just bit my tongue and let it go. And it ended up fizzling into nothing. He never went. I didn't expect him to. Why would you go to Colorado or Wyoming or California and help a man go soul winning when you won't go soul winning in your own church? Come on now. Don't die on me. We just had leadership orientation yesterday. Y'all ought to be hollering amen. Y'all ought to be foaming at the mouth right now. Why would God send you? He's not going to send you halfway around the world to do something for the first time that you've never done before. God came to them and God called them to the mission field, but they were already laboring and ministering and serving in their local church. That's a very important part of the story. In fact, if you'll back up to chapter number 11, you can get a pretty good idea of what they were doing. The Bible is just pretty vague in chapter 13, verse number two, and says, as they ministered to the Lord, it calls them prophets and teachers in verse number one. You get to verse number two, it just says, as they ministered to the Lord. But when you back up to chapter number 11, you get a pretty good idea of what they were doing. The Bible tells us in uh, verses number uh, 19, now they which had scattered abroad upon the persecution that rose about Stephen traveled as far as Phineas and Cyprus and Antioch preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene which when they were come to Antioch spake unto the Grecians preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. What about that? A bunch of people just accidentally got saved. I'm saying that tongue in cheek. They were preaching to the Jews only in verse number 19, but then a bunch of people from Cyprus and Cyrene and the Grecians heard the preaching and got saved in verse number 21. The hand of the Lord is with them and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God. What a blessing. Seen the grace of God. I don't want to get distracted here because this is a good text for another message. But the grace of God that had worked in their life brought about some visible results. <laughs> Come on now. Is everybody okay? 
When he saw the grace of God, he saw these people, he saw the change and the transformation that the grace of God that bringeth salvation had appeared to all men, teaching them that denying in godliness the word of love, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Titus chapter number two. The grace of God will bring about visible change. And the Bible says they sent Barnabas down there to Antioch, scope it out. And when he got there, he saw the grace of God. I'm thankful for a grace that you can see. I'm not talking about the one I'm married to. I'm talking about one better than that. If you can believe it, amen. Let's keep reading. The Bible says, and uh, he, 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 uh, when he came in verse number 23, and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they should cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and the faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him into Antioch. Make no mistake, Paul and Barnabas were serving God, laboring together in their local church long time before Acts chapter number 13. Amen. They was tag teaming on these new converts at Antioch. And the Bible says in verse Numbers 26, when he found him, he brought him into Antioch and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And uh, so we see in verse uh, chapter number 13, verse number two, that their experience, their, their, their ministry experience in the church had stirred their heart and they were already busy seeing people get saved. They were already busy seeing the new converts disciple. They were already busy, can I say it, making Christians out of believers. They were already doing that. They were already encouraging them. They were exhorting them. They were already, the Bible says, teaching them and trying to persuade them and encourage them that with purpose of heart, they should cleave unto the Lord. That's what they were already doing in their local church before they ever got their prayer cards printed. The experience in the church that stirred them. i tell you what else I noticed. As I was just reading these verses in chapter number 11, Verse number 24, Bible says he was a good man. Talking about Barnabas was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Amen. We're going to see the Holy Ghost mentioned here in just a minute in chapter 13. We're going to get to that in just a second. But can I tell you something? They didn't wait until they was commissioned to go to the mission field before they learned how to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. They already were. They were already laboring. They were already serving. They were seeing people get saved. They were discipling people. They were teaching people. They were busy. They were, they were doing everything within their power to expand the kingdom of God in their local church before they ever got called to the mission field. One of the things that I dealt with a week or so ago, I preached down for Brother Sykes at the B. Salt Church Planners Conference. And he had me doing sessions on mentoring missionaries. And I told him, I said, here's the problem. I said, we're not discipling new converts to get a pool of men ready for God to call to the mission field. God's not going to call a new convert to the mission field. He's going to call somebody that's established, that's been grounded, somebody that's disciple, somebody that's already uh, uh, earned, some, earned some stripes. I mean, the Bible's clear, lay hands suddenly on no man. That don't mean talking about the person in front of you at the checkout counter at Walmart that's getting on your nerves. That's not talking about that. 
lay hands suddenly on no man. It's not talking about not punching somebody's lights out. It's talking about putting your hands and putting them into the ministry before they're ready. One of the qualifications of a bishop is not a novice. Amen. So I believe I'm biblical tonight when I say God's not going to call a brand new convert to go halfway around the world and start a church. And the problem that we're seeing in our churches is we're not doing our due diligence to train and disciple men that get saved so that at the time that God wants to, he can come by and tap them on the shoulder and call them to preach and call them into the mission field. We need men in the church that are doing in their local church what we are sending money to missionaries to do. You've heard me say it a hundred times. We're not, we're not, we're not uh, subbing out the great commission to all these missionaries. We're sending money to them. We're sending them $100 a month at the least. More fire missionaries. But that doesn't alleviate this church of its responsibility to do in this church what we're supposed to be doing. No matter how much money we send to China or the Philippines or Japan or, or Nicaragua or, or Argentina, that's not going to do a thing in Dundalk, Maryland. That's our job. That's our responsibility. And God was able to reach out and put his hands on Paul and, and Barnabas and call them to the ministry because they were already serving and ministering and working in their local church. One of the side effects, negative side effects of a church that has staff like ours and not all churches have staff. Some have more staff, some have less, some have none. One of the negative side effects of a church like ours that has paid staff is that some people get the idea, well, I'm just, we're paying them to do that. That's the wrong answer. Everybody in here needs to say amen on that right there. There's nobody up here on this platform that can do what God called you to do in this church. Everybody's got a place. Everybody's got a responsibility. Everybody's got a job. And imagine, imagine if Calvary Baptist Church could be a place that sends missionaries around the world, but God's not going to come by our church and call men and call couples and call families to the mission field if they're not already filled with the Holy Ghost and serving and seeing souls saved and helping disciple new converts and, and helping make Christians out of believers. He's not going to call you to the field. I remember when I was on deputation, I, I, I think God used me to help a lot of people breathe a deep sigh of relief. Our family was going to Africa, and at that time, there wasn't seemingly, I don't guess there was a whole lot of people. We didn't bump into very, very many. When we were on deputation, going to Africa, big as that place is, you'd think there'd be more people going. But there wasn't when we were on deputation. I'm not saying there wasn't more going. I just didn't run into very many. So it was almost a novelty that our family was going to Africa. And I'd go into churches, and people, you could just see them tighten up and wad up. And I'd be preaching. I'd say, hey, if you're not tithing, if you're not faithful to church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, if you're not knocking doors and inviting people to church, church, if you're not pouring water on the hands of the man of God, if you're not praying, if you're not reading your Bible, you can relax. God is not going to call you to Africa. And you can almost see the relief. Wow. Okay. So I'm good. Totally missed the point. Totally missed the point. God don't call people to the mission field that are not already working, already serving. Amen. Now that was not preached as a deterrent. 
I wasn't preaching that so you could go, oh, okay, so if I just don't tithe and go to church faithful and see people get saved, God, I don't have to worry about God calling me to the mission field. You're missing the point if that's what you took out of that preaching right there. The point I want to make is they were already doing what should be done. I would have a hard time sending Brother Nathan and Sister Marissa to the Philippines if they weren't already doing what God had called them to do. Amen. They've been going soul winning since they were tall enough to reach a doorbell. For Nathan, that's when he was two years old. <laughs> They've been involved in church. They've been involved in, in bus ministry. They've been involved in junior church. They've been involved in, 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 the, in, the, in the outreach. They've been involved. They've been given to faith promise ever since they started making money. They've been tithing ever since they started making money. They've been cultivating a relationship with God from the time they were children and teenagers. And tonight we're going to send them to the Philippines to just keep doing over there what they've been doing over here for years. Their experience in the church that stirred them is a very important part of this story. Notice what it says. It says, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted. You know what that tells me? It tells me that they were relying on God to help them do the work of God. I get real uncomfortable around these 20-year-olds, still wet behind the ears. That's got it all figured out. Pray, do tell. I will pay for the coffee and we'll go out and you tell me all the stuff that I don't know. I want to hear it. We got some 20-year-olds coming out of Bible college. It's got all the answers. And they've sat back and they've analyzed. I preached about this a little bit yesterday in the leadership. Leviticus, Nadab and Abihu, second-generation priests, offered strange fire unto the Lord. What Moses was doing and what daddy Aaron, the high priest, was doing wasn't good enough. We're going we're we're to reinvent the church. We're going to reinvent the wheel. And they offered strange fire. Verse 2, we find out real quick what God thought about that. He burned them up. He cooked them. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know what they found out too late? All fire is not the same. And I told our church yesterday during leadership orientation, it's not the lost people. It's not the unsaved. It's not the drunks and the prostitutes and the dope pushers that are coming in and changing the churches. Most of the time it's the second generation crowd. That sat back and they watched it and they think to themselves, if I could just bump daddy out of the way and I could get in there, I believe I could show him how it's done. You know what this tells me about them ministering to the Lord and fasting? It tells me they were relying on God. Amen. See, fasting is what you do when you're dealing with a problem bigger than you. <laughs> Those disciples had that man come up to him, that little boy, and they couldn't help him. Jesus and Peter, James, and John was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And they came down, and the man said, uh, you're, uh, you've got a pretty lousy staff here, Jesus. I came to them with a need, and they couldn't help me. I brought to them my son, and they couldn't help him. 
And Jesus said, well, we'll see, we'll see if we can't help your son. And we're going to have to have a staff meeting later and address this problem. And he helped that little boy and he healed that little boy. And the disciples pulled him off to the side and they kind of whispered, said, why, why couldn't we help him? I love that. They didn't have the guts to ask him in front of everybody. They had no problem making a fool out of themselves in front of everybody, but they didn't want to get help in front of everybody. Come on now, that'll preach right there. They pulled him off to the side after it was over with and said, why, why couldn't we help him? Jesus said, this kind comes only by prayer and fasting. <laughs> Y'all were dealing with spiritual warfare. You were dealing with demons from hell that's been doing what they do for thousands of years and you come bouncing in there chewing your double bubble and thinking that you're just going to be able to take care of business. And the problem is you need God to get it done. You need God to get it done. We see the experience in the church that stirred them. Number two, we see the expectation of the church that separated them. I love verse number two. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the, what's that next four-letter word right there? Oh, my goodness. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. The expectation of the church when they brought Paul and Barnabas in was summarized in one word. It's time for y'all to go to work. They'd already been working. Good. This shouldn't be any big problem then. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just do it somewhere else. Here's the problem with a lot of people today in the ministry. Here's a lot of people, problem today with young men going into the ministry. And I know this firsthand because I get phone calls all the time from churches looking for a preacher and they say, here's the problem. We got this 25-year-old and we told him that we needed a pastor and that we had been without a pastor for a year or two. We got a group of people, we got a building and we need a shepherd. And the first thing they want to know is what their salary is. First thing they want to know is what, do you have a parsonage? Do you have a, do you have a, 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 a car allowance? Do you have a, a membership at the country club? No, I made that one up. But they might as well. Because for them, the ministry is more about having a title and a position. Like we saw in, in Matthew yesterday where they said, we want to sit in Moses' seat. They weren't worthy to wipe Moses' sandals, but they wanted to sit in his seat. Tell everybody what to do. And it was a do as I say, not as I do mentality. That's what it said. They wanted to be seen of men. Can I tell you something? Ministries work. If you do it right, it's work. And I mean hard work. I mean stressful work. I mean the kind of work that makes digging ditches look fun. Come on now. Brother Bittner, you've been down there at that Baltimore Rescue Mission how many years? 35 years. I'm going to say this with as much love and respect as I can. But when you come walking in that back door and come hobbling down that aisle, you can see the toll. You can see the effect. You can see what it's done to you down there fighting with those drug addicts every day of your life and trying to get them saved and trying to get them dried out and trying to get them back to their family. Hey, it's work. Yeah. It's work. It takes a toll on you. 
You lay in the bed at night and wonder, why can't I go to sleep? I can't turn my mind off. Mine's just dealing with problems and thinking about conversations with people and is thinking about all the things that need to be done. And I'm telling you right now, the ministry is work. When you go to the Philippines, deputation is over. I'm telling you, I'm saying this. You know, you know I know what I'm talking about. The riding from church to church and sitting at the display table and standing back there with that, with that celebrity status in some places. Some places they don't care if you live or die, but you know what I'm saying. Where you go in and you're the missionary and you got your prayer cards and you do your presentation and then they take you out to eat to the all-you-can-eat buffet afterwards and you get in your car and you ride home and you stay in motels and prophets' chambers and missions' apartments and you get so many goodie baskets you ain't got nowhere to put your baskets. All that's over with. When you get off the plane in the Philippines, it's going to be time to dig them work boots out and roll your sleeves up and go to work. And I mean all day, every day for the rest of your life. It's work. We call it the mission field because it's a field and that's what you do in a field is work. Jesus said in John 4, 35, Say not ye there yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Plural. They're wild already to harvest. It's called a mission field because it's work. Talk to anybody in here that's ever done any farming. My pawpaw was a farmer. I'm telling you, man, it's work. And this, was, this verse was before tractors. Tractors made it a whole lot easier. They, I mean, plowing a field back in the day was hard manual labor hooking up a mule and hooking up an ox and put a plow in the dirt and drag that thing and plow a field and turn over soil and turn over fallow ground and tear up rocks and throw seeds and plant fields and, and harvest crops and all the tools and all the implements. They didn't have all the John Deere's and they didn't have all the combines back then. It was work. It put blisters on your hands. You went home at night soaking wet with sweat. That's what the mission field is. It's work which is why we don't have too, too many people saying, here am I, Lord, send me. Hardest thing they've ever done is unplugged their Xbox and plugged another one back in when that one wore out. That's the hardest thing they've ever done. Feel how quiet it just got right there? God ain't calling gamers to the mission field. I can tell you one thing, the mission field ain't no game. Now there'll be joy if you'll stick with it. But that's the closest thing to a joystick you're going to get when you get to the mission field. Come on now. All them controllers. Y'all, I don't even know what I'm talking about because I don't have one. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to do it. If somebody put a gun to my head right now and said, start this game up and play it, I would just say, shoot me. I don't even know which button does what. I have no idea which button does what. I could get up a four-point alliterated outline before I could figure out which button to press. I have an outline on why I don't know how to do it. <laughs> God help us. Matthew 9, 38, Jesus said, pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth. Y'all didn't say that next word very loud. I don't know if it makes you nervous or if you was just wasn't sure you were supposed to. Let's work on that. 
Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. I love work, don't you? Good old fashioned work. Good old fashioned, nasty, dirty, greasy, grimy work. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Y'all keep on. I'm going to be here all night long. I'm thinking of stuff. It's just coming at me fast. Y'all just looking at me like, is he for real? Is he serious? Is he serious? I'm serious, sister. Work. Mission fields work. My goodness. The needs of the mission field. And, and, and I hope I didn't put him on the spot when I said, what are you going to have them do? That's going to be that. That's going to be at the top of the list, and it's just going to be pages of stuff that you're going to be doing. The, the awesome thing about the mission field is you don't know when you get up in the morning what you're going to be doing. You're going to do whatever God puts in your path, and you're going to deal with whatever problem and fight whatever battle and help whoever shows up, and it's just going to be all day, every day, just ministry and working with people. And I know they're going over there to help Brother Marco, and they've got they've got a church and a growing church with the hundreds of new converts. They've got the Bible Institute, and they've got the Christian school, and they've got the little. Uh, abandoned baby drop-off place where people drop off babies and they got that and, and they, got, they got the call center and they got all these things. I'm telling you, there's going to be more work to be done over there than there is people to do it. You better go with the mind to work. Mission field will chew up and spit out lazy people. Sometimes you see these missionaries get to the field and about six months later they come off the field. There's a reason for some of that. Not all of it, but some of it. It was way more work than what they thought it was going to be. The expectation of the church that separated them was for them to go and do the work that God had called them to do. Well, I could preach for about an hour on that right there. By the way, when it comes to the work of the ministry, it's very unusual from any other kind of work that you do. Everybody in here that'll go to work, oh, well, you won't go to work tomorrow, it's a holiday, but Tuesday you'll go to work, most of you. And you've got a job. You've got something, you got whatever your job is that you're supposed to do. There's a, there's, there's a job. And, and in most of your cases, you'll work all day and then you'll go home and you will be able to say, I accomplished this, 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 and this. Brother Michael, you, you change out windshields for, what's that place? Safe light and repair, safe light and replace. <laughs> I heard the jingle in my head. When I see him, I just think jingle. <laughs> he'll go to work, he'll go to work, and there'll be windshields with cracks and holes and stuff in them. And when, and when he gets done, there's cars with new windshields. Stay with me now, I know this is deep, stay with me. We're going to walk through this step. And here's the, thing about, here's the thing about the ministry. If you're results oriented, you got to be real careful that you don't get discouraged because you'll work for days and not be able to see anything accomplished. 
Sometimes the Lord will let you see things accomplished. And sometimes he won't. That's when you just stay faithful. And remember that verse. Let's not be weary and well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Boy, sometimes in the ministry you wish you could, it was like when you was in construction. I remember when I was in construction. We'd get out and we'd get all of our tools out, set up our saw benches and chop saws and skill saws and run cords and air compressors and nail guns and ladders and walk boards and we'd get out for about eight hours and we'd bust it and it come quit time. We'd all load up and get in the truck and as we drove out of the driveway, we could look in our rearview mirror and see what we did. And there was a feeling of accomplishment. That house didn't have any siding on it when we got here this morning. Look at that side. Look at that soffit. Look at those corner boards. Look at that deck all built. Look at those handrails all built. And boy, that's beautiful. And you could drive away with a feeling of accomplishment. But when you're in the ministry, you don't always get that. In fact, many times you go that morning and there's no siding on that wall. And when you leave in the afternoon, there ain't no wall to put siding on. You lost ground. It's worse when you get done than it was when you started. Welcome to the ministry. That's when you just keep working. You work. Not with our service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. You just stay faithful. Just stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Our missionary in the Sahara that we took on just a few weeks ago and his prayer letter was in our Wednesday night prayer sheet. I can't say his name online. Been there 40 years plus probably. And people getting saved now. People getting saved. People getting saved. I remember what his prayer letters looked like when he first got there. He could have wrote a prayer letter in size 18 double space font. Pray for us that somebody would get saved. Muslims in the middle of the Sahara Desert where it's 120 degrees in the, de- in the, in the shade. They didn't see nothing happen while they, first while they was there. And Brother Sasser and them working over there in Israel, people ain't chasing them down the street. Hey, give me that track. I want to read that track. There's a lot of missionaries thinking they're going to land on the mission field and people's going to be going, come over to Macedonia and help us. That was Acts. That's not happening in the real world most places. Philippines is very receptive. But you understand what I'm saying. I'm saying the expectation is work. It's work. Brings me to my third point. We see the endorsement of the church that sent them. The endorsement of the church that sent them. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when the Holy Ghost says, do it, you just swallow real hard and say, yes, sir. You don't argue with the Holy Ghost. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. (laughs) Imagine what that church was feeling. Imagine what that church was thinking. Two of the best workers they got. (laughs) They sent them away. Sent them away. That phrase has just been wearing me out, Brother Burner, for the last several days. 
and sent them away. I was working on this message Friday and I had to stop by the snipes. I called my wife. I said, I'm just going to come home. I can't do this right now. And you know what I found out? <clears throat> I found out it's hard to ride a motorcycle through Dundalk when you're crying. They sent them away. <laughs> That's what we're doing. That's what our church is doing. We're sending them away. Why? Because the Holy Ghost said to. This is the work of God. God's the one calling the shots here. God's the one giving orders. And when you get orders from headquarters... You go. Those of you that was in the military, you know, when you got those orders, you could walk in there to your commanding officer and you could pitch a fit all you wanted to. It didn't change anything. Uncle Sam wants you over there. Pack and go. GI, government issue. You're not your own. (laughs) Property, the United States government. Guess what? We're not our own. Bought with a price. When God says go, you go. Boy, the trio this morning, wasn't that a beautiful song about being in the will of God? My goodness, we was talking about that at the lunch table. That was absolutely phenomenal. Listen, you absolutely nailed that song. Being in the will of God. There's no place like being in the will of God. They could have argued with the Holy Ghost and said, well, we're just doing just fine right here. God had a plan. God had a plan. We cannot underestimate the importance of the local church's sanction and commissioning of these missionaries. I saw two things in this point right here. I don't have it on the screen, but here's two sub points. There was the commendation of the church in verse number three. And then verse number four, there was a confirmation of the Holy Ghost. Now watch this. The Bible says in verse number 3 that the church fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them and sent them away. Is that what your Bible says? But look at verse number 4. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. (laughs) It's amazing what God will do in a church when that church will partner with the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost can walk into a church and lay his hands on some people and say, separate them. I've got to work for them. And then the church can put their hands on them and pray over them and send them out. The Bible says the church sent them out, but the same Bible says the Holy Ghost sent them out. Well, which one sent them out? Exactly. Yes. They both did. Because God, stay with me, God the Holy Ghost works through the local church. I got a problem with these missionaries that are parachurch. And they're quick to tell you which mission board they're with, but they want to mumble with the name of their church and their pastor. I got to put a big question mark over that joker. (sighs) Makes me mad. Makes me mad. I said it gets under my skin, it makes me mad. So many missionaries today fail to understand the biblical relationship with their sending church. They're sending church, their home church. They're going to go over there and they're going to work in that church. 
for now anyway, until God tells them not to do something else. I know the name of this church. I'm drawing a blank, brother. Nathan, what's the name of that church? Faith Baptist. Faith Baptist Church in the Philippines. And they're going to be busy over there. They're going to be working over there. And they're going to be trying to grow that church and trying to get people saved and baptized and discipled and, and mentoring preachers and training missionaries and church planners and sending them out all over the Philippines and all over the world out of that church. But their home church is us. Until you've ever been a missionary in a foreign country pouring your heart and soul into a church, but you as a member of another church, ascending church, you can't understand that whole dynamic right there. But I want to show you something. I'm trying to wind this thing down. Look at chapter 14. Look at chapter number 14 toward the end of the chapter. Bible says in verse 26, and, and thence, this is, after their, this is after their journey, their first missionary journey, okay? They went out and did all this stuff. Look at verse 26. And thence sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended the grace of God for the work which they had fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. You see this relationship between these missionaries and their home church? This is rare right here. Notice this little outline right here, Brother Adriel. There was a recommendation of their local church in verse number 26. There was a return to their local church. There was a rehearsing to their local church. And I believe in the latter part of verse number 27, there was a rejoicing with their local church. And in verse 28, there was a relationship with their local church. I like it. How to preach right there. Their church recommended them. When they got finished, they came back gathered everybody around and they showed their slides. Can you imagine what that meeting was like? They're trying to describe all that God had done in those previous two chapters in all those cities and all those places and rehearsed. They rehearsed. I wonder if they kept a diary. I wonder if they kept a journal. I wonder how they did that. I wonder if one of them had a knack for drawing and had a little scrapbook with little sketches people bowing in the synagogues. I don't know. I think about that kind of stuff. And they gathered them all around and they rehearsed all that God had done with them in the work. What's well, a good thing, Brother Burner, they worked while they was gone. They wouldn't have had much to tell when they got back if they hadn't. How he had opened the door of faith under the Gentiles and they abode a long time with the disciples. We see the commendation of the church. Tonight our church in just a few minutes will lay hands on our missionary couple. And that is a that is a sign, that is an outward, that was an as an outward gesture of we put our hand, our stamp of approval on this family to go to the Philippines and do the work of God. That's what it is. We see the commendation of the church, but then lastly we see the confirmation of the Holy Ghost. Boy, I'm going to tell you, I wish I had about 45 minutes to preach this point right here. We got a lot of guys graduating from college with degrees, but they don't know a lot about the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. Yeah. There. I wish there was some way, Brother O'Donnell, we could, we could screen out college graduates and say, when you get full of the Holy Ghost, you come back and we'll give you your diploma. 
because that fill of the Holy Ghost is what's going to get it done. I, I noticed something about these verses I've never had seen before. And I've read this passage, I don't know how many times. The ministry of the Holy Spirit church is essential when it comes to missions. Verse number four, they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Chapter number 11, verse number 24, Barnabas was a good man full of the Holy Ghost. We know Paul was full of the Holy Ghost. But when you get down to chapter 13, they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Verse number six, and when they had gone through Isle unto Pat Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. And it hit me this afternoon as I was finishing up this message that one of the great demonstrations of the essential ministry of the Holy Spirit of God in this story right here was that God had gone before them, ahead of them, and prepared the heart of the people to receive the word of God. It is no small thing that this man was calling for them to come and preach to him. I can tell you how that happened. God, the Holy Ghost, went ahead of them and prepared the hearts and prepared the field so that when they got there, they could do the work of God. That's important. Imagine getting to the field and they're calling you, hey, come over here. I want to hear you preach to me. I want to hear the word of God. That's exciting. That's awesome. But now let's put a little twist to it. Let's mix things up a little bit. Let's throw a, let's throw a witch in there. Let's throw a sorcerer in there. Let's throw a, a demon possessed. Let's throw some spiritual warfare in the mix, shall we? <laughs> Paul and Silas, this man's over here wanting you to come preach. Well, let's go. Well, they get over there and there's a sorcerer. I'm going to go ahead and just tell you this right up front. There ain't no one of us in here equipped to deal with that without the Holy Ghost. Amen. You won't talk about getting in over your head and I mean getting in over your head fast. You get on a mission field and you start dealing with spiritual warfare and you start dealing with sorcerers and witches and you start dealing with people that's up to their neck and up to their eyeballs in, in the occult. And I'm telling you right now, you're going to find out real quick whether or not you fool the Holy Ghost. We was talking about that crowd at lunch from Seven Sons of Sceva. <laughs> what chapter was that, Brother Caleb? Acts 19. Acts 19. Yeah, we're going to go in there and we're going to cast the demons out. <laughs> yeah, the Bible says they came running out of the house naked. Right. Sons of Sceva. Yeah. They was running around in their Skeevas, Skeevies. <laughs> Must be where it come from, running around in their Skeevies. Sons of Sceva. Going to try to do the work of, the, try to do the work of God in their own flesh. And they ran out of the house. The Bible says naked and wounded. Hey, you can't do missionary work unless you've got God the Holy Ghost helping you. Let's keep reading. Oh, this is good stuff. Verse 9, El Elymas, the sorcerer, for so was his name by interpretation, withstood them. 
Let me just throw this in here. Anybody in a hurry? I feel a little preach coming on. You study that Bible right there. People that were demon possessed, they always withstood the man of God and the word of God and the ministry. That ain't changed. A lot of these crowd that's fighting God and fighting the church and fighting the man of God and fighting what gets what God's doing, you mark it down, friend. They're demon possessed. They don't just have a burr under their saddle. It's not just a difference of opinion. They are a tool and an instrument of hell. And I'm going to tell you something, but Nathan, you're not going to know when you get up in the morning that today's the day I'm going to run into somebody demon possessed. You just better have your armor on, friend. You better get up in the morning and you better get that armor on if you want to withstand against the fiery darts of the devil. Stand in the evil day. You don't know when, the, it's not on your calendar circled in red, today's the evil day. Okay, the 12th is going to be an evil day. No, 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 it, it could be today. You better get your armor on. You better be ready. Am I still in the book? Ephesians 6. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we're dealing with in America. You think it's bad in America. You think it's bad here. You think it's bad here. You get on a plane, go halfway around the world and you're going to have a wake-up call, friend. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable the demonic spiritual warfare our missionaries deal with on a daily basis. You need God. You need the Holy Ghost. Let's keep reading. Withstood him seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, well, what do you know? Filled with the Holy Ghost. <sighs> set his eyes on him. I'd like to have been there when Paul set his eyes on him. He gave him the old stank eye. Come on now. Well, if our preacher was full of the Holy Ghost, he wouldn't look at people that way. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> And said, verse 10, O fool of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness. It's amazing how a preacher will talk and act when he's full of the Holy Ghost. Pretty much goes against everything you hear lost people tell you that people do when they're full of the Holy Ghost. Don't you love it when lost people that wouldn't know the Holy Ghost if he walked them to them in the street. Don't you love it when they tell you what people would and wouldn't do when they're full of the Holy Ghost? <laughs> Child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right way of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. And the deputy... And one in verse number seven that would say, hey, y'all find Paul. Y'all go find them two missionaries from Antioch. Bring them over here. I want to talk to them. I want to hear. I want them, I want them to preach to me for a little bit. And God had already been working in his heart, obviously, for him to be calling for them. Come on now. Am I reading too much into this? I don't think so. He's standing over there watching all this. <laughs> Paul ain't even preached to him yet. He's been given old Elymas. The, 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 dirty, the dirty eye. I'm telling him he was a child of the devil. 
and making him blind. Him walking around saying, somebody please help me. I don't bump into nothing. And the deputy's over going, I really wanted to hear them while ago, but now I really want to hear what they got to say. Look at it. Look at it. And the deputy, when he saw what was done, <laughs> believed. <laughs> Being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. What am I saying tonight? I'm saying there's no substitute for the anointing and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Brother Nathan, Sister Marissa, we can lay hands on you tonight and we're fixing to. Send you away. But when you get over there, make sure you walk with God. Make sure you stay full of the Holy Ghost. I mean every day. Stay full of the Holy Ghost. Do the work of the ministry in the power of the Holy Ghost. It's so important. Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to ascend. I'm going to paraphrase. I'm going back to my father. I don't want y'all to do nothing. Don't do nothing. Terry, stay right here. Don't go nowhere and do nothing until you be endued with power from on high. And they were all in that upper room together in Acts chapter number two, and they didn't know, they didn't know when it was going to be. I don't believe they knew when it was going to be. They were all up in that upper room, Acts chapter 2, 120 of them, about 120 names, the Bible says in Acts 1. And they were all in there in one accord. <laughs> and all of a sudden, God showed up. And God blew through that place, and there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind, and tongues of fire lit on top of them. And they all looked at one another and said, I don't know much, just a bunch of old dumb fishermen. I don't know much, but I'm pretty sure this is what he was telling us to wait on right here. <laughs> One of them said, well, let's find out. They went out, went out in the street and started preaching. Come on now. They went from the upper room to the street. Come on now. Well, Peter said, I believe I'm going to test drive this thing right here. Let's see what happens. Stuck his toe in it. He started preaching. And people started getting saved by the thousands. I believe one of them looked at the other one and said, I believe this is it. <laughs> I believe this is the power he was telling us to wait on right here. It's a good thing we didn't jump the gun. It's a good thing we didn't come out here last week. It's a good thing we didn't come out here yesterday and try to do the work of God in our own power. We'd have fell flat on our face. But when you get full of the Holy Ghost and you do what God's called you to do, God goes ahead of you and God does the impossible. Amen. So, Stay full of the Holy Ghost. We're going to love you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to hold the ropes. We're going to send you support. Whatever else you might need. But when you get on that end over there, it's going to be up to y'all. Make sure you stay full of the Holy Ghost. And I can promise you, I've been there, done that. You get over and get full of the Holy Ghost, God will use you to do things you never thought possible. I'm going to tell you something else, Brother Nathan. I know you've heard me tell this in the living room, but I'm going to tell it from, from the church. You're going over there for God to use you to change the Philippines. God's going to change you. 
Marissa, last time you was on the field, you was, you was a little girl. You're going to be a missionary's wife now. It's fixing to get real. Amen. Praise the Lord for liberty to preach. Amen. I'm not going to have everybody in the church lay hands on them. That would take us all night. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to handpick a few men to represent our church. Are you all okay with that? Here's what I want to do. I want you all to clear out this area right here. Nathan, you and